0: Good morning to all of you. It's great to see all of you here. This has been quite a week for all of us. And like all of you, I've had a hard time finding words to express our sadness and our grief for the many, many mixed emotions we've felt. Words are not enough. What's lost is lost. But we cannot just dwell in silence. We must wrestle with and express our faith and doubt to voice our care and concern to connect with one another. The questions we've been asking, why, what if, we ask God, why? Why didn't he stop this? He's powerful, he's good, he cares about us. Why do he allow this kind of a thing to happen? Why? Why didn't the school do something? They had some red flags. They had some procedures in place. Something happened already. And two hours later? We ask, Why? Why is this country like this? And people are free to do horrible crimes like this. We ask why of a family, of our culture. We ask why. And what if? What could we do? Why does it hurt so much? There seems to be two questions that are the most painful and the most difficult? Why is there such violence in this world? And why do people have to die? Innocent people. These are the things we deal with in real life. And as an occasional preacher, I've never tried to attempt to wrestle with such a difficult topic. It's just too big and too heavy and I feel inadequate. So to help me prepare this message I looked to two veteran ministers of the gospel and I want to give them credit for helping with some of my thought process and preparation. So I um, I want to thank um, Peter Greg who is the author of a book on prayer titled God on Mute and also Pastor Tim Keller of Redeemer Presbyterian Church in New York City so the question of injustice and death we look for answers we try to make sense of this but answers won't make the pain go away we We want to find a cause, we want to blame something, but what's lost is lost. 33 lives. Many others wounded. Thousands are affected. And we too are affected. But we cannot shrink back from the task of wrestling and asking this question. Because the very best way to honor the memories of the ones we've lost in love is to live confident and productive lives. And the only way to do that is to actually face that question. We have to have the strength to face a world of constant devastation and loss and disappointment. And where do we find that strength? How do we deal with that question? Tragedy has an amazing way to sober us up about life and what really matters. What is it that we're holding on to? Is it our education? Our reputation? Our family? Our job? Our pedigree? Our accomplishments? If you're not holding on to God through Jesus Christ... You'll be stressed out and you'll be unraveled. Tragedy is polarizing. It can either pull you closer to God or it can push you away. Let's be honest. We all have to wrestle with the problem of tragedy and injustice and suffering. It doesn't matter what your belief system is, whether belief in God or belief against God. It's a very difficult question. So abandoning belief in God is not really... Helpful in the face of tragedy. So, what can we do? Where can we find help? I found the words of Jesus to be the most helpful as I searched and prayed and sought an answer in the words of Scripture. I'll be reading from John chapter 11 this morning. John chapter 11 verses 17 to 36. John 11, verses 17 to 36. And as you're turning there, I'd like to say a quick word of prayer. Spirit of God, open our eyes and hearts to the words that You have to speak to us. Use the few words that I may share today to penetrate deep into our heart and soul as Your Spirit would meet us where we are. Meet us where we are, oh God. Let Your words speak powerfully. Touch us at our point of need. Help us to find comfort. Help us to find hope. Because we... We, we want to believe and we know that you care about us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. John chapter 11, verses 17 to 36. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know you will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she said to him. I believe that you are the Christ the Son of God who was to come into the world. And after she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him?" He asked. "Come and see, Lord," they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Lord then the Jews said, "See how much he loved him." There's three things in this passage I'd like to have us look at something to believe, something to feel, and something to see. Something to believe. Martha was asking the why question too in the face of loss and tragedy. See in verse 21. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. It's okay to ask questions of God. Jesus doesn't say, don't ask questions. Just have faith. God is sovereign, He's in control, He's got purpose and plan some well-meaning Christians have a tendency to like, come to the defense of God in the face of tragedy. But look at what Jesus does here. He gives a word of hopeful assurance. He reminds Martha and he reminds us the hope that we have. This life is not all there is. There is also a resurrection. What that means is that the life we live is a beautiful gift. It has meaning it matters because of the resurrection Jesus says in verse 23 your brother will rise again in verse 25 and 26 I am the resurrection and the life he who believes in me will live even though he dies and whoever lives and believes in me will never die do you believe this do you believe the resurrection? You see, the resurrection gives us a hope beyond the grieving of despair. First Thessalonians chapter four, verses thirteen and fourteen, puts it this way: Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who have fallen asleep, or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again, so, so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in Him. Yes, we grieve, but we do not grieve without hope. When we believe in the resurrection, the life that Jesus gives, it gives us hope. It takes faith. It's something to believe. There's also something to feel. Look down in verse 32. So Jesus gave a hopeful assurance to Martha. And now Jesus is meeting Mary. Notice what Mary says to Jesus. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Mary is asking the same question, but Jesus gives a different response. Verse 35. Here's what Jesus did He went to find out where the body was, he saw the people weeping. And the shortest verse in the scriptures, but yet the most powerful and profound Jesus wept. Jesus weeps with those who weep, mourns with those who mourn. The families and friends who have suffered such a tragedy, our God mourns and weeps. God meets us where we are at. Some of us need an answer of hopeful assurance. Some of us need a shoulder to cry on. And God meets us right where we are. no answers, no preaching, no moving forward, no finding a way past this. Just weep. If that's where you are, it's okay to be there. God will be there with you. It's biblical to weep and mourn. Lamentations we read from this morning, Ecclesiastes, Job, more than half of the Psalms are all laments and expressions of sadness to God. And one of the things that we can do for one another and those that we meet along the way who have been deeply affected by this tragedy is to weep with them. Some call it the ministry of presence, to just be there and to weep. You see, God feels our pain. God feels our pain. Feelings of anger, pain and loss, Our fear. He relates with us, the shock and the sadness. And he even relates to us for those of us that are Asian American. It's good to know that God cares and God is with us, but does he really understand our unique experience as Asian Americans? Caught between two generations Caught between two cultures Two worlds We need more than a generic gospel We need a contextualized gospel Allow me a little freedom to explore this Because knowing the identity of the shooter Shakes us up in a new way Because he was just like us See, the Gospel is more than just confessing our sins, living a good moral life, going to weekly worship and studying the Bible and living an upright life. We have two extremes. Some of us would like to stay confined to our traditions and culture and kind of add some spiritual things to that. Or we might lose ourselves in just being a sold-out follower of Christ, but we never really deal with the heritage and the family background and the history of what we've worked through. Now, it affects us in different ways, but I think it affects us more than we're willing to realize and talk about, and I want to unpack some of that and ask that, that that God would meet us there, that the gospel would meet us there and really minister and heal us We have we have a lot in common with one another, but we also have differences as Asian Americans. And I realize that this church has a kingdom vision, desiring that all people would come to worship Christ. And so as we delve into this context, it's to help us to be sensitive. Sensitive to those who wrestle wrestle painfully in that story and many of us here too. In Revelation 3.20, it's a popular passage that evangelists love to use as Jesus is knocking at the door asking if we would invite Him in. And so uh, many of us here have responded to the Gospel call and invited Jesus into our home. And His promise is He'll sup with us. He'll, He'll eat with us. He'll fellowship with us great, we'll invite him into the living room and we'll sit and chat and get to know him and study his word and listen to him. And and when God brings that life partner into our lives, we'll invite him into the bedroom and help us to live a pure married life. Honor the marriage bed. Really enjoy the fullness of married life there with God helping us along. We we might even invite him into the kitchen because we want to eat healthy see, and learn how to take care of this body the temple of God but many of us in the Asian American experience affected by Asian culture we hesitate to invite him into the family room the family room where the sensitive parts of our life is where we really live, where we have our stories, where we have our pain, where we have our dirty laundry. See, we prefer to meet people out there in the living room where there's nice plastic covering on the couch, where everything looks really clean. In the family room, it's messy. It's where we're broken. It's, it's, it's the rawness of our heart. And, and we're not ready to invite them in there. We don't even invite our, our fa- friends maybe, or family there's that secret place and we don't let him in. Now some of us many of us have found a way to cope, but some of us don't and we move towards addictions, or we lash out. but the gospel has something to say there, in the family room, in the heart of heart of us as Asian Americans. Can the gospel redeem our shame-based culture our shame-based history and transform it to be grace-filled healing and comfort that would come from the gospel? I'm just going to suggest a few areas. Could it change our values and how we relate to one another? Asian culture prides itself in having a high value for hard work and education Titles and accomplishments. We we uh, we as Asians love formalities and protocols. But sometimes we don't know how to get beneath the surface and check the attitude. We look at the form. We we want to make sure you're dressed right. Make sure your haircut is proper. Make sure you're doing well in school. But man, there's so much beneath the surface of the iceberg. We look good on the outside, but we don't know to deal with the inside. We like that say safe, safe face stuff. We're conditioned to be internalizers. Stiff upper lip, swallow our bitterness. But no way, no way, we're we're not gonna show our brokenness and our weaknesses, and our failures. Not even in our own family. Certainly not in church. Shame is so powerful and so binding. We're resistant to get help. We're resistant to receive help. Our actions and words say, leave me alone, I'm okay. I'll get through this. But no. We struggle. If God can help, but we struggle alone. Churches reinforce that happy culture. Hmm? All too often, it is the church that creates cultures where people feel compelled to have it all together, to be optimistic, and therefore to pretend. Another area, emotional expression. We have a lot of feelings underneath the surface. We're, we're human. But we, we don't, we're not free as Asian, as Asian Americans to express it. And I'll confess, I'm, I'm the prime candidate. I'm Asian-American male of Chinese descent. But boy, I have a hard time expressing my emotions. Uh, partly personality, partly my upbringing. It's, it's hard to get my muscles to move in a certain way so you can see my feelings. But I've got a lot of feeling. I feel very deeply and I have to find a way to express them and I I found words to be at least a way to express them so I blog but people don't understand the depth and the pains of my feelings I, I don't know where you've been this week perhaps busy with work but for me my tears started flowing on Tuesday as the convocation gathered in Castle Coliseum the first day was just plain shock but the tears flowed it's okay to cry as Asian American male it's okay to cry another thing related to emotions um, I think as Asians we, we deprive ourselves of the power of touch you know, if I go to a non-Asian church I can get a hug I'm a warm, fuzzy guy, alright? But at an Asian church, at best I might get a bow because I just turned 40, so I'm pretty old now. <laughs> In the scriptures, talk about greeting with a holy kiss. and and I'm not saying that we have to go there, but (laughs) there's there's something to be said for the power of touch, the healing power of touch. And and we don't have that. Another area, mental health care. Our shame-based culture prevents us from asking for help. In the area of Psychology and psychiatry and mental health. It's too shameful. We don't need that kind of help. And sometimes we spiritualize oh, we just need God. We don't need that kind of help. And there's an Asian philosophy that says life is suffering and we just got to endure it. But no, life is so much more than that. And when we need help and when we're broken, God gives us all kinds of resources to help. I think mental health care is one of them. I think the church can be a safe place for us to show our brokenness, our woundedness, and to begin to find that help. I've needed help at times. So, I've talked to Counselors, and they've helped it's okay to ask for help and Asian Americans are the most educated racial ethnic group in America so you can connect the dots hmm. another area, concern for the outsider and not only being insular Boy, we Asian Americans, we know how to put our head down and work hard, and that's a good thing. But when that's the only thing, and we don't serve our neighbors and our community, we miss the Gospel. We, we we, as Asians have a reputation for being insular and kind of watching out for each other, and that's good. But that's not enough. I think the Gospel calls us to more than that, and the Scriptures calls us to that, the parable of the Good Samaritan is so powerful because it was a Samaritan who cared for someone who was different from himself, someone who was outside. My experience with that, um, like Peter, I've walked the Virginia Tech campus, and um, I try to greet people, uh, those who are different. There's that Asian tendency. We don't really greet people we don't know, and people who aren't really the same tribe as our, ourselves. Hmm? So, if I, as a Chinese, greet a Korean. It's like, do I know you? Well, we're, we're in this thing together in this in this land, and we have to form a new community and a new humanity because of the gospel. It's sad to say, if the killer had not been Asian, I'm not sure we would have paid that much attention. But because he was one of us, it's a wake-up call. We're concerned. We're concerned for the backslash. We're concerned. We're fearful. It, 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 it did something. It's doing something to us. Organizations are issuing statements. Apologizing, we're, we're not like that. Most of us aren't, but there's something that is hitting deep. One more area: a lack of concern for social justice. This is lacking among Asians as well as conservative evangelicals. There's that tendency to be risk-averse and over-concerned for our safety. And we tend to come across timid and fearful in the face of injustice. There's more injustice in the world, you know. In Africa, in Asia, in many parts of the world deal with incredible suffering day after day after day. We need more faith rather than fear. Mark Galley says in the Christianity Today article. Make no mistake, there's no promise of safety in Jesus' call. As He calls us into frightening arenas, He points us to the wound in His hand and side as if to remind us we are afraid for good reason. It really is a dangerous world. It really does wound us. But while He does not promise us safety, Jesus gives us his peace peace be with you this is not the peace of pleasant feelings of course but the peace that comes from knowing that we are in God's purpose and presence no matter what what would church look, look like if the gospel were embodied in such a holistic way welcoming to Asian Americans but also welcoming to others Sensitive to our stories and the history and the cultural context that we're in. A church where you can be yourself and you don't have to explain that same story over and over again. A church where you can find healing and redemption and the help you need when you're broken and when you're wounded. People who can sympathize and understand and walk alongside of you. we are called to be the body of Christ God uses us now to be his agents of grace and healing and comfort and hope See, God through Jesus Christ feels with us to comfort and heal us and out of his love for us we can be so filled in comfort and heal others 2 Corinthians 1, verses 3-5, to puts it this way. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. For just as the suffering of Christ flows over into our lives, so also through Christ our comfort can overflow. See, we're comforted not just for ourselves, we're comforted so we can comfort others. How can we be a church that would overflow with that kind of comfort, that kind of hope, that kind of concern for our fellow man, for the outsiders, to fight, to find strength, to fight injustice? The third thing is that we have something to see in this passage. It is on that cross we see the ultimate wonder. On the cross, we sufferers finally see to our shock and to our horror that God knows what it means to lose a loved one. To lose a loved one in an unjust attack. And you know what this means? John Stott puts it this way. I... I could never myself believe in God if it were not for the cross. In the real world of pain, how could one worship a God who was immune to it? Do you see what that means? We don't know the reason God allows evil and suffering to continue, but we know that what reason it isn't, what it can't be. It can't be because He doesn't love us, Can't be because he doesn't care. God loves us and hates suffering so much, he's willing to get involved. We have to engage and not escape. But the story doesn't end there. God weeps with us, and God also promises us resurrection, just as God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. It's a historical fact. We just celebrated Easter. Easter is our hope and strength. Because it's a historical fact, he lives and we can face tomorrow Jesus shows us that he is indeed the resurrection and the life see God is not preparing us for some ethereal abstract spiritual existence that's some kind of compensation for life we lost resurrection means the restoration to us of the life we lost New heaven and new earth means this body, this world. Our bodies, our homes, and our loved ones will be restored, returned, perfected, and beautified. Given back to us. That's resurrection. And that new life begins now. The gospel can touch and transform every aspect of our life our history, our past, our present, and our future. And as we invite Him to do that, we can have a life of beauty and joy because God's given us this life as a gift. And we can have the strength to get outside of our comfort zone because He's comforted us. In closing, I'd like to read a prayer that was written last Monday night by uh, Terry Dewey at a church that meets on campus at the Virginia Tech campus. New Life Christian Fellowship. Can I ask that we stand and join hands as a sign of solidarity and just echoing our prayer for those who've lost a loved one, those who are healing, those who are looking for hope. Let's pray. Jesus, Son of God, we need you now. We've been attacked. We we have been broken. We have been shocked as peace has been ripped away from our lives. We have feared. Of all the people who have asked us how we are doing, you are the one innocent one who asks us how we are and truly understands. You know what it feels like to be afraid To be unfairly attacked and to suffer and die. You took the place of each of us when you didn't have to, when you didn't deserve it. Jesus, Son of God, we need you now. Father, you created the lives of each of us and you love each of us. You value our unique personalities, our gifts and skills. In our individual lives the life you created was killed and we have lost something precious Spirit Jesus asked that you would come after he left and that you would be our comforter and we ask you to hold us as we wait and to be with us as we continue to experience grief we mourn And we invite you to mourn with us. God, we ask you to be with each family and each friend. Of every person who died, they are loved and we mourn for them. Lord, hear our prayer. We ask you to be with each person who is wounded today in body and spirit and with the family and friends of everyone who is wounded. Guide each doctor and nurse who works with the wounded, guide their hands to heal them. Give us hope. Help us to be faithful to pray for the wounded and please be with them as they heal. We thank you for each person who is there to help bring safety on campus, for each policeman and emergency worker who helped us and our friends. We ask you to be with them and bless them as they have blessed us and to heal them from all they have witnessed. We ask you to walk with us through all that come, to be a light to our path for each step we take in this dark and confusing time. We ask you to fill the campus of Virginia Tech with your light and hope and to use us to be your light and your hope. Help us to listen, to mourn with all our friends who are mourning. Lord, hear our prayers. In Jesus' name, amen.